Yeah, so he's trying to ride. Uh, he's trying to ride the little guy, uh-huh. and uh, the guy keeps throwing him off. And Nick Nolte says, "You know, how come you can't ride this little thing? Your ancestors rode dinosaurs." And the Mandalorian's like, "Okay, I'm going to give one more shot." And he gets up. He walks up to the to the to the monster, uh-huh. and uh, he just gets on his back, and he can ride it. And then that's how he overcomes his inability to ride that little guy. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. So then uh, Nick Nolte leads him to the the base where mm-hmm. uh, all the all the uh, bad guys are, and you know that's you know here here you go you know here's here's the uh, place where you're gonna get your your bounty you mm-hmm. get the, the the wanted guy yeah and uh so then he goes there but there's another bounty hunter there and it's a robot and it's an ig robot <sighs> and they have to shoot all the bad guys together and which they do they accomplish this task and then they go inside uh the building mm-hmm. and they find uh who the bounty is and it's it's a, a baby yoda <sighs> The way everybody has fucking fallen for this goddamn puppet is like, you are just the biggest rubes in the universe. Do you not know? Do you, how do you not take one look at Baby Yoda and imagine the board meeting at Disney like 16 months ago where they hired McKinsey Consultant to come in and while Solo was kind of a, bu- kind of a bust, people had mixed reactions to The Last Jedi. We don't know about all these new, new uh, things. We, we really need to have a winner coming out of the gate, especially with the next big one coming out at the end of the year what do we do with this show to make it stand out and get people's attention and some fucking mayor pete zombie ghoul unveils a, a, an easel with a picture of the baby yoda on it and he goes it's yoda but a baby and everyone just goes oh my god they just spontaneously stand and start clapping for him it's like the james cameron pitch for aliens mm-hmm. uh where he just writes alien and then puts an s with a dollar sign through it yes he writes yoda on the whiteboard and then just puts Baby. baby except he turns the b into the bitcoin you put symbol two line, <laughs> you put two lines through a y you can make it a yen symbol sure but he like, turns every every letter everything into, into a different, uh, <laughs> different monetary symbol currency but no your marks your rubes your absolute fucking rubes and by the way i watched this episode with uh virgil because i had known that nick nolte was supposed to be in it and then i watched it and i'm like where's nick nolte and i realized that he's the voice of some disgusting pig man <laughs> and it really makes me think about like alec guinness was really embarrassed by his by his in, being involved in Star Trek, Star Wars, he thought it was juvenile. When people, when kids came up and said that they loved it, in it, he was embarrassed. How much more embarrassing would it be if he had been the voice of a pig man? And meanwhile, we have screen legend Nick Nolte just being like, "Yeah, hell, oh, fine, I'll be the pig man, goddamn. Oh, hell, I don't care what's the matter. I just, oh, I'm gonna go walk into the Pacific wearing my pants again. I oh, hell, I don't care, goddamn it. I'm be the goddamn pig man. Just send me the god, send the goddamn check to the goddamn bar. I don't care. I don't see what's so bad about Baby Yoda." Just, it's so transparently it's, manipulative. It's mysterious. It's and mysterious. imagine if you were a bounty hunter <laughs> and the bounty you had to collect was it was a baby. You'd be you'd be you know morally torn by this. Uh, by the way, apparently he's fifty years old, but a baby because uh, you know uh, Yoda was nine hundred when he died. So clearly his species ages very slowly. The idea that you would be a helpless baby for fifty years, at least probably a hundred, given how small he is. How would that evolutionarily work? 
you would, I mean, my God, like fucking uh, the sea, sea turtles barely make it from the fucking hatch nest to the sea without getting eaten by uh, sea fowl. How the hell is being a helpless little baby for a hundred years supposed to work? Yeah, and also, you know, it, 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 it does, it's not a proportional thing. Parrots live longer than we do, and they're basically an adult after like a year. Yeah, ridiculous. But still, I mean, come on, how can you hate the little guy? <laughs> He's so, he's so mysterious, he's so and he's in all the memes now. <laughs> just come on, people! Like, how how am I supposed to have any hope that these that this public can be roused from their stupor to you know seize control of their destiny? What would you and not just allow themselves to be baked alive in a microwave if they're going? Ooh, baby Yoda! What would you prefer, Matt? A new thing? Yes. Yo, how we about all, that? We've tried the new things. Yeah, we've true. tried they, new things they're not, they're not working out that is, honestly that kind of is the rejoinder to everyone whining about retreads and stuff yeah everything new is terrible too everything as well just, just make incremental changes to the things that we're familiar with mm-hmm. and you know we can still get high off you know that that dopamine hit of, of just a little bit of nostalgia and a little bit of novelty and uh turning your car on in the garage that's the greatest <laughs> high of all kids parody joke don't do that well, what do you say? Should we start the show? Let's pop open the hood in the Belt Lake Garage. Going under the hood in the Belt Lake Garage. Gonna take a look at the politics. What's going on in the Belt Lake Garage? Has Kamala Harris dropped out? Welcome to Under the Hood at the Beltway Garage, where we check the oil filters of democracy and sip the windshield wiper fluid of public opinion. <laughs> I'm Virgil Texas. With me, as always, local favorite Matt Crispin. Hey, hey. Before we get to the real candidates, first off, can we get some taps going for the candidates we've lost in recent so months? So hard to say goodbye to yesterday. Bill Bunglio bungled his way out of the race back in September, joining Rudy Giuliani, John Lindsay, and George McClellan Jr. in the annals of Big Apple mayors who ran for president and ate shit. By the way, when I was out of town, I listened to the episode, and you fucking tried to correct me in a show I wasn't on, which is bad, bad pool in my opinion, because some pedant nerd said, I actually, uh, one of the mayors in New York became vice president or something. That was in the 19th century before there was a combined mayor of New York. Brooklyn wasn't part of the city yet until 1898, I believe. I'm not counting any from anybody from before that because that wasn't the same city. Once again, this long-running controversy, which could probably be very easily resolved by reviewing a list of mayors of New York. I, I'll, re- I'll fucking review a list of your goddamn mayors. The, mayor, the mayor, first mayor of New York is Seth Lowe, okay? Nobody before that counts as a mayor of New York. Shut the fuck up. Going back, uh, let's get the taps going again. Ohio's Tim Ryan mindfully dropped out in October. R.I.P., baby. Returning to Youngstown to lecture his fentanyl-plague constituents to eat less refined sugars. (laughs) And finally, on November 1st, our special guy, Beto O'Rourke, suspended his campaign. Goddamn. Just just ollieing off into the sunset. Which, you know, that came before the... Right before the Buttigieg surge. Well, I mean... And I think he made a bad choice. I think he should have stuck it out. Well, I mean, you got to assume that the, ba- the, the Buttigieg moment, like a lot of these moments, is going to end. I mean, he, he, it's very shallow, and it's, it's very bit, much based on just sort of 
uh, especially uh, older Repub- Democratic voters getting that uh, that Dem- that Obama Q zone tingle. But then there's the inevitable re- response and him fucking up and stuff. I mean, he will probably fall down. But those people aren't going to want to go to anyone who they who doesn't give them that. And Beto could have been waiting in the wings. Problem was for all these guys, you can't hang around if you don't have money. Beto raised $6.1 million on his first day in the race, but he had basically run out of money by October Mm -hmm. and would have been forced to triage his campaign like Kamala Harris has. So, you know, Harris made that choice and said, no, I'm going to stick it out and maybe I'll be the beneficiary of some totally random surge. Uh, Whereas Beto said, no, I'm going to go home with my dog. Wait a minute. Uh, Do it again. Say Beto or dropped out. Beto or Rook dropped out. Say it ain't so. Uh, again, I, I, I think he should have stuck it out because at some point, you know, it's got to be someone. You're just we're just going down the list at this point. OK, who gets the surge now? Who gets the surge now? Yeah. I mean, but the thing is, is that that that's a, that's a weak that bump is a very it's a sugar rush. It's not going to be sustainable. You know, it depends when it hits. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. I uh, I just I, I I don't have any respect for the candidates who quit. They're, oh, no, they're cowards. I think if you start running, if you run out of money, you have 10 bucks in the bank. Doesn't matter. Just keep doing it. They're still going to invite you to like the, the Iowa County fairs and shit. So you still have somewhere to be and probably a hot meal. See, that's the point. It's like Joe Seastack's still in the race. The motherfucker has zero dollars. He has a negative <laughs> campaign chest, but he's just driving around at a Honda Civic in New Hampshire. You could do that. If you're Beto O'Rourke, you can just say, I'm out of money, but I'm not out of it. And just hang up, show up weirdly and awkwardly at debates and stuff. At least uh, when if Beto O'Rourke hopped in his hatchback and showed up at things, people would say, hey, it's Beto O'Rourke. As opposed to when Joe Seastack does, they're like, who? <laughs> what is, I don't what know who's been following this. Erratic, what is this? What is this? So for, the, for the past month or so, and, and uh, the Admiral's campaign uh, pitched us on this uh, about joining him. He has pledged to walk the length of New Hampshire. And he's been posting pictures from his campaign event where he's just in the woods alone, you know, uh, just like just like, you know, wearing like this old jacket, this old like the old leather jacket, just like just a perfect just drifter, yeah. you know, just just this. He's the Kasich of this race. Soul. He not even a Kasich. I, I picture him more like a Ronin. <laughs> and, you know, he's he's just like, you know, uh, uh, like emerging from the woods and, you know, uh, finding like small backwoods towns in New Hampshire where there's, uh, I don't know, some kind of like cruel local landlord. Right. Maybe like the, everyone. the 70s TV version of The Incredible Hulk. Yes. Or uh, Kung Fu, the A-Team. Like the model is very well established. Joe Seastack shows up at a young widowed farm woman's house. She, he, she gives him a nice slice of pie and some well water and then tells him about the evil uh, agribusiness trying to move in on her land. And then he has to karate chop and tear the neck out of a bunch of thugs. He calls the local uh, carrier attack group in to, uh, yeah. you know, have an F-18 strike on. Yeah, you yeah. call him the admiral. It's, like, that's a perfect pitch. The admiral. He's fighting a bunch of dudes on the, sh- on the shore of a, la- of a river in New Hampshire. Pulls, pulling necks out and stuff, and then like a bunch of technicals filled with uh, military contractors come in, and then he just whistles, and then a fucking uh, aircraft carrier just pulls around the corner of the and just of the river, just right there. Of, you know, Charles Creek, New Hampshire. Yes, the aircraft carrier pulls up in. Oh, it's a perfect story. And he's he's, out the, he's uh, New England uh, aquatic geography knowledge. I have there. no idea if that's a real quick, oh, shit, creek, but that sounds like a, a place yeah, that sure. would exist in New Hampshire. Just a man with a just a, a long, long backstory, but he doesn't really want to talk about it. Yeah. 
still all all that he has is uh his admiral pin and uh the bracelet his daughter made him i, w- I would say to csec why stop at new hampshire walk across the entire united states terry fox did it in canada and he is the national icon now. Uh, he, actually, that yeah, he actually didn't he didn't do it no he died right but he is still an icon and people love him yeah but i mean so you're saying he's saying he didn't finish he got close God he bless him. Got, he got close. No, nobody contact us to get mad about this. We're all big uh, supporters of Terry Fox. <laughs> we all respect Terry Fox and all Canadian traditions, uh, including your oil sands. Yeah, love those. Oh God! By the way, the soft, the soft uh, pulp timber. Ooh, we love that. We love that stuff. But, We're going to be coming for it pretty soon. <laughs> but back to Beto. I mean, that's 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 the way you do it. You don't need a big fancy staff yeah. or say, I mean, five star hotel. And the thing is, that was his original pitch as a candidate. He was going to just drive in a pickup truck and like stand on the table at fucking diners. He was born to be in it. He was born to drive around with his with his fucking dog. And, like, how do you at that point when you run out of money and it's not working? How the hell do you just go back to Texas, especially when you have no plan? Like he's not running against Cornyn. He has no real plan. Why do that instead of saying fuck it? I'm going to go back to my indie roots and I'm going to do a DIY campaign. Me and a truck and a dog showing up at small, uh, uh, all ages venues across Iowa, New Hampshire. <laughs> showing up at straight edge venues throughout, <laughs> throughout the country. Uh, well, you know why? You know why? It's because he's a quitter. He's been a quitter he his whole quit. life. Yes, quit his band. Quit you know, going to you know, left, came to New York. Quit classic guy moves to New York, York. You know, lives in a fucking loft with like twenty five other filthy guys yep. in a quit, shitty band. House and let's just quit that. Move back home to get like a dad at his uh, uh, job at his dad's fucking paperwork factory. Mm-hmm. Quit the house. Uh, yeah, no, he's a big quitter, which is what makes him the I- iconic exer, the the ur exer. And the sad thing is, you know, he pivoted from being the uh, I don't know the inspirational tall guy who stands on tables. To after the uh, white supremacist shooting in El Paso, to being the gun guy who he was, he was the one who decided I'm going to activate the Democratic base by being the one guy who say no, we are coming for your guns. We're coming for your fucking guns. We're gonna show up door to door, fucking uh, Schwarzenegger uh, in in uh, Schwarzenegger and sabotage, breaching your door, stealing all of your guns. And it didn't go anywhere. I mean, I understand. You know, it made campaign sense because if you become the mass shooting guy, oh, there's, a, there's, there's, a there's one, always one. Yeah, there's so it's one just free media. Yeah, every time there's a mass shooting, you'll probably get a couple pieces. It's of the, you know the ambulance chaser strategy. I mean, but it went nowhere. Didn't probably, resonate with anyone. Also, maybe one part of the reasons it didn't go anywhere is because he got unlucky in that there was not a huge mass shooting after he became. Because imagine if there had been a paddock level mass shooting two weeks after he rebranded. He might still be in it. He might have gotten all of those mayor Pete, uh, uh poll numbers. Honestly, and I, I, I think it was a bad pivot, ultimately. It made sense. I understand the logic behind it, but, you know, history shows that it was but an his incorrect decision- thing to do. The right pivot would to be to, be to double down on being, uh, a, you know, uh, uh, an airhead Gen X shithead. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, you know, just like a total bimbo candidate, because his, his problem is he, you know, he's always been the bimbo candidate, but he tried to be taken seriously and like nobody was buying it and it really Do you remember sh- a single word he said at the debate oh, no, no. no nothing uh or any ever anywhere in any case like we need to rise above our petty differences some shit. rise above we're gonna rise but above. imagine <laughs> if uh instead of the debates he just tied every issue to like some uh, uh opaque reference to the west texas hardcore scene in the late 1980s <laughs> That would be fascinating. That would actually resonate. I have to say, I, I am bummed he's out because we had an idea, Virgil and I, because we've interviewed a few candidates now, uh, and if we could have gotten Beto, the, 
the idea would have been we would have only asked about 90s indie music. That would have been it. No policy questions. Just like, like, what do you think is the best Weezer album? Like that. Is Bright in the Corners the underdog pavement classic? See, there we go. Perfect. But the, I think that, uh, yeah, his entire campaign really underlines the vapidity uh, and sa- honestly, yeah, the generational nihilism of, 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 of the Xers because he was trying to energize the voters and because of his commitments ideologically and financially, he could not become any kind of populist. And also, frankly, because Bernie has a lane and that really should tell everybody who is not uh, a Biden Buttigieg, you know, centrist to just drop out and endorse Bernie. He has that lane. He, you can't go there. So he said, well, I'm going to double down on all the hot button uh, culture war shit. So not only did he say, I'm going to come for your guns. He was like, we're also going to burn down all the mega churches. <laughs> 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 and it's like, yeah, that's the kind of shit that's like totally like vapid culture war posturing. Uh, and even that didn't work, which really should tell well, the you other something. Thing is I also think nobody believed he would do it because he's a quitter. Mm. He's a quitter. He would get like he would he would steal 100 guns that's and a, then give up after that's that. That's actually a good point. Like everything about Beto just radiates with uh, yeah that sense of a lack of commitment, detached irony uh, and weakness. Maybe if a different candidate who, who people took more seriously went all in on those culture war shit. Uh, and kind of be, try to be, do like a Republican or Democrat Trump thing, it might work. But yeah, because when Beto O'Rourke says, I'm going to burn down the mega churches and take the guns, it's like, no, you're fucking not. You're not doing shit, dude. Come on. Moving on, just as we're saying aloha to O'Rourke, de Blasio, and Ryan, we're saying aloha to two new candidates, former Massachusetts Governor Deval Patrick and former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg. You got to love it. You got to love it, folks. Uh, let's talk about Deval Patrick for a minute because his strategy is, you know, debates are not for me. And because of the DNC's, I would say, frankly, onerous uh, debate rules, like not a chance in hell he could even get on that stage, which means, sorry, you're not a candidate. You're no. not. Re- you don't exist if you're not on the debate stage answering the stupid fucking questions. Uh, he was, of course, managing to, a managing director at Bain Capital, which I don't I guess everyone from Massachusetts has to work for Bain Capital. Yeah, it's like how you have to be in the IDF if you're Israeli. He's also a good friend of Barack Obama, who reportedly urged him to run earlier in the year, yeah. which he might have gotten somewhere if he had done that. Well, at see, the time. This, is, this whole thing really shows you how, like, if you're on the left and you see any kind of hope in, in hollowing out and destroying the current Democratic Party, your greatest, honestly, one of your, as much as Obama was a demon who took all of the re- radical energy and disillusionment that came out of the end of the Bush years and the uh, economic collapse and totally demobilized it on purpose because he was a cynical piece of shit. That was bad. But the good news is that the the same uh, fecklessness and lack of any kind of passion or interest uh, that marked his presidency has also marked his post-presidency. And that's good. Because if he, because there's an article in Politico this last week about how he, we'll get, we'll get to that one about how he said you know if Bernie looked more of a threat I would try to stop him because he is commit I mean and he we know from the the uh, Tom Perez uh, Keith Ellison DNC uh, race he is committed to trying to stop the the Democratic Party from going left but he also is a lazy feckless shithead who doesn't really care because if he cared he could have actually made this impossible for Bernie like imagine if. He decided that Deval Patrick was him because he, see, he, he sees an electorate that clearly is nostalgic for the uh, Obama years 
and it's like, well, this guy is basically me. I remember when Obama was president, people were like, look at this governor of Massachusetts. He's basically Obama. He's literally, he's a black dude. He sounds the same. This is him again. He could just be like, hey, if you like Obama, here's Obama too. And you know, like your Obama? You, <laughs> <laughs> you literally could have. If you liked your Obama, you could have kept him. But that would have required Obama to give enough of a shit in the early stages to like groom Patrick, maybe tell him don't take the job at Bain because I only won in 2012 because I was running against a cartoon Monopoly man whose job was uh, taking over companies and gutting them and firing everybody. Uh, don't take a job with them. And then he could have been the guy, but Obama doesn't care enough. And I love it, thank God. Because now, guess what? When fucking Bernie wins Iowa and got, and then New Hampshire and it gets like a head of steam, I bet at that point Obama's going to try to be like, well, uh, better uh, talk some sense to people. He's already like leaning towards that. But by that point, guess what, bitch? It's too fucking late. So God bless the fact that Obama sucks so much, so comprehensively as a person, that it makes him someone who can be beaten. Excited for all of that to be taken out of context. <laughs> uh, well, with that in mind, Deval Patrick's campaign has not gotten off to a great start. <laughs> At Morehouse College, where Bernie spoke last week to a huge and enthusiastic crowd, <laughs> Patrick... Of, 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 of white bros. Patrick canceled an event when he learned only two people had showed up. <laughs> and that's bad form. First off, Matt and I were pissed. We were waiting there for hours. And second of all... <laughs> Second of all, it's like you're on your way and you just get a call saying, uh, yeah, Governor, there's, uh, there's two people here. And you're like, fuck them. Wait a minute. Those are your heads. Those are your. Those are the real Patrick heads. You're not going to like do a show for them. I mean, people are going to th- talk about that for years. Like, oh, man, I was at Morehouse. It was just me and him. It's like he was talking directly to me because he was. Yeah. How about that? That's like that is your inspiring story. That's where the revolution began, mm-hmm. which is a room of two people. The next event. There were three people. Mm-hmm. The next event, there were four people. <laughs> and eventually, president. Yeah. In, in, in 2098. <laughs> uh, here's a, one quick fun fact. Uh, Patrick was involved in the Ruby Ridge O'Bungle. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yes, where an FBI sniper gunned down Vicki Weaver as she was holding her 10-month-old baby. Indeed, she, he did, yeah. He was working as an assistant AG at the D- Justice Department in the Civil Rights Division at the time. And he ruled that the sniper had not used excessive force or violated Weaver's civil rights. <laughs> he basically whitewashed it even after the FBI produced something like a 500-page uh, internal report saying uh, that was bad. The, we did a bunch of crimes say, there, and uh, actually these guys should probably be indicted. Uh, no Caparino on this one. That, the Ruby Ridge thing is a really good litmus test for somebody because I, I have seen, honestly, people with my eyes say, yeah, that was fucked up, but, you know, they were racist. And I was like, I'm sorry, if you're okay with your government blowing away a woman holding her child because she's what? Uh, uh, she's a white separatist, meaning that she lives alone in a fucking Idaho warren in the middle of the woods, then you are, you're terrifying and I'm, I'm scared of you because what you will sign off on uh, is, is not anything I want to contemplate. Uh, but let's move on to the consequential candidate who is the only one who actually really you know, threatens to upend the race, uh, Mayor Bloom Bungler. Uh, my money, it's real good right now, in as his, always is, because I've got $50 billion. In his first week in the race, Bloomberg has reserved $30 million in airtime through December 3rd. Which, I just found out, is more than the combined 
uh, output of every other campaign so far. Except- He's going to drop more money in one week than everyone else has yet. Not entirely true. Uh, Tom Steyer spent $47 well, million in the Tom first three Steyer. months. Been, okay, counting the, the non- counting the guy. Right, okay, counting the, the non-self-funders. Self-funders. Yeah. Right. Uh, yes, that's 100% true. And uh, to put that number in context, through the end of September, Bernie, who leads the field in fundraising, has raised $73 million. Loser. So in the first week, already cutting a check just for airtime, not even counting staff or anything like that, which he's already, you know, obviously staffing up and paying a lot of money to these consultants who tell him to run, uh, already spending half of what Bernie has had raised up to September 30th in the first three quarters. I just, I love this shit because, once again, everyone is acting, and I think they have to keep acting this way for their sanity, like 2016 didn't happen. Hillary Clinton dropped a billion dollars, with a B, to lose to Donald Trump. Money, by itself... Like, because you can't say money doesn't influence politics. Obviously, it functions, but it's at the infrastructural level. It's at the level of creating the context, like lobbyists, all this stuff. But like, in just in raw terms, especially during a general election or late primary stage, money by itself, what does it buy? It buys a bunch of ads that people hate watching. You still need a product that people want to buy. Yeah, and Bloomberg has like a. Uh like a, a, like a 50% negative favorability rating among fucking Democratic voters. As has been pointed out a million times, he combines the things that both parties hate the most. He, is, he embodies every element of the nanny state that conservatives hate, banning guns and sugary soda and stuff, and a fealty to Wall Street that, that uh, Democratic voters hate. It's amazing. He is, he's a four-quadrant shithead. And the logic of his campaign, uh, he believes that, you know, one and one reason to not really fear Bloomberg is he's also trying to be the gun guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he thinks he's built up this well of uh, uh, goodwill for uh, 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 his charitable contributions to uh, things like uh, uh, Moms Demand Action. Right. Uh, and he also thinks he has credibility on climate change, which is uh, was supposed to be Tom Steyer's thing. And he's also polling at 3% yeah. after spending $47 million. Well, you're forgetting, though, uh, Mike Bloomberg had, and he just had to resign it for, to run for president, a position with the UN on uh, climate issues. And, you know, those are the guys who are going to fix all this. So clearly he has more credibility on that. Uh, the other plan, and this is totally unprecedented, this has never worked in the modern primary system, but let's see. Bloomberg is going to skip all four early states and go straight to Super Tuesday. Insane. Not Matt, even on the ballot in the first four crackhead. states. Crackhead. That is the most crackhead. That is, you just believe money buys votes at that point. Yes. You go, well, I'll just blanket the Super Tuesday states for the next three months with ads, and they're just going to be forced to vote for me out of some sort of oppressive power. Like, they just see me, and it just seeps into their their brain, and they don't even know that they're slowly becoming Bloomberg voters. Well, their idea is that after the first four states vote, you know, the race will still be muddled. People are going to be unhappy with their choices, whoever, whoever emerges through that, uh, which gives him an opening to say, hey, I'm not them. I mean, that's possible. But the problem is, is that I just don't see that happening for the very simple reason that someone's going to win Iowa. By winning, virtue of winning Iowa, that is going to give them a momentum or, or some sort of credibility or, or boost that will affect. I mean, I, here's basically what I'm saying is, is that if Bernie wins Iowa, which I think he will, I think that means he will win New Hampshire. And if he wins New Hampshire, I don't think he's going to win South Carolina, but he could finish a strong second in South Carolina. Uh, and then I think he is very well positioned to win Nevada. And he is even now he has a great 
California organization and is polling at the top of all the polls I've seen out of California. And if he goes into California having won three of the first four primaries and then he wins California and then Bernie has won the first three of the first four primaries, I'm sorry, you can drop all the money in the world into all of your fucking brainwashing bullshit. The reality of the race is going to dictate people's votes way more than any amount of what what are the ads even going to be? Hello, I'm Michael Bloomberg. Uh, I really want to take all of your guns and soda. Is that really going to get the people, the voters of Alabama? You're just doing Adam Friedland there. Adam Friedland. I think if Adam Friedland spent $30 million and like in between, uh, in every single commercial break, when you're watching football on Thanksgiving, you just see Adam Freeland there just smiling and going, hello. There's the one thing we know about people is that they love ads and they love seeing ads. And if one, like, imagine that, like, imagine you're watching a football game. And if every ad had the face of the same guy in it, how much you would hate them. Uh, I saw a Bloomberg ad. I was at the gym the other day. Uh, and his pitch. Oh, nice humble brag. There it is. Uh, well, I'm just. This is the context Ooh, in which I'm healthy. I would, I'm not dying. Uh, in which in which one would see a Bloomberg ad on mute with subtitles going four seconds behind at uh, at the gym. Uh, and his pitch is: I'm going to give everyone who wants it Medicare or, or um, insurance. Uh, we're going to tax billionaires. Uh, and 9-11 somehow. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't wait, get, I'm sorry, he's saying we're going to tax billionaires. Yes, he so is. He's, he's just lying. He's just like, it's just a bald-faced lie. He really shouldn't bring up 9-11 because as has happened, like what has happened this week is people remembered, oh yeah, he was Republican until literally yesterday. I, 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 I was having trouble following it because it was all in sub, subtitles, but I got those two policy pitches and then it just cut to B-roll of the ruins of 9-11. I'm like, dude, you weren't mayor then. What are you talking about? He, you know also, what he did the, though? Also, 9-11 he, didn't even work for Giuliani. Exactly. Why is it going to work that's a very good point. But you know what? He was not mayor in 9-11, but he was a mayor. He, he was a mayor. What? He, he got elected in 2003? Uh, no, he was elected right after 9-11. All right. Yeah. Because Giuliani the- wanted to extend to three terms. They didn't yeah. do it. And then he actually was able to extend it to three terms. But you know what he did do is that he was at the goddamn RNC in New York in 2004 endorsing George Bush. How the hell is that going to look? Well, no, it's going to look great because look now great Democrats because love George Bush. It's time for everyone to come together, everyone yeah. who's a true patriot. Is there more wine? I'll give you a so you think this is going to this is going to be a big bungle? I mean, it's unprecedented, right? No, yeah. no, no one has ever. I think like, Steyer has thrown a ton of money into this race. It's nothing compared to no. what Bloomberg is doing. No, and I see um, Steyer ads all the time. I've seen Steyer. I've seen a number of Steyer ads. Uh, his his pitch is uh, Trump was a bad businessman. I'm a good businessman. Blow my goddamn brains I out. I saw a Steyer ad during Bob's Burgers on Adult Swim. The thing about Steyer is, is that he looks like a burn victim. He looks like he his, really does. Yeah, he looks like a melted candle, and that's not a good look for any human. Uh, <laughs> so Bloomberg is this is going to be like a first ever test. Someone trying to literally come in at the last minute and buy the well, nomination. Well, what's interesting is. You know, I think there's no coincidence that there are now two billionaires running in the Democratic primary. And I think that everyone just sort of learned the wrong lesson from 2016 because they saw Trump steamroll the opposition uh, win the Republican primary that year and think, OK, well, he's billionaire. I'm a billionaire. Therefore, I yeah. can do this when, you know, Trump did not Trump barely spent any of his own money on that race. He did not outspend Again, he was like the fourth or fifth in terms he of spent, spending. He spent, of course, he's barely spending money. He's a cheapskate oh, he con artist. He did it on the cheap. Frankly, he probably made money on it. Yeah, because, because renting, it, renting out his own fucking hotel, charging the campaign for the use of his private He did do jet. that, and he charged it to the RNC. He he was a scam. All he's an, he's entirely a scam artist. His position was not because he was rich; it's because he was famous. 
And these other fucks, Tom, nobody heard of Tom Steyer. No. And no, Mike no. Bloomberg is only known to New Yorkers who all hate him now. These guys, yeah, it's, it, it just shows you none of these people know what they're doing. No, absolutely not. absolute none. morons. No, absolutely not. Uh, but, you know, for all the consultants who's around Michael Bloomberg, of course, their paycheck uh, depends on well, them not knowing the what they're doing. Well, that's the thing, is that you're, if you're a guy like Mike Bloomberg and you go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out what's going on. I'm going to hire people to tell me the truth. Are you going to tell me that anyone you could hire to say, should I run for president, who in their head is imagining gyrating in a in a Scrooge McDuck pile of gold coins that you gave them to to consult on your presidency while the Tin Pan Alley classic we're in the money is playing in the background is going to say no is going to say really I'm going to be straight with you Michael you don't have a chance instead of saying absolutely chief you have a chance by the way uh it's going to be I'm going to I'm going to require a million dollars to uh create a deck that'll get you to the presidency so we, of course, covered Bloomberg a few episodes ago, and of course, the source of his uh, fantastical wealth, $50 billion or so, uh, which we have isolated as the Bloomberg Terminal. The Bloomberg Terminal! Since then, uh, loyal listeners have reached out, and uh, you know we're going to keep them anonymous here, but they have given us more information about what the Bloomberg Terminal is. Hit me. I, heard, I forgot who it is, but somebody tweeted something very funny. They said... Uh, you're going to make fun of Bloomberg, and yet he's the only candidate running who has successfully enacted a wealth tax on uh, rich people <laughs> in the form of getting them to pay for the fucking Bloomberg terminal. Here's one. My friend who works at Bloomberg told me that there's a chat platform associated with the terminal called Instant Bloomberg, and people communicate by IBing one another. IB! I like to think there's little, I, I, little Bloomberg emojis on there. You guys need to hit me in my uh, Bloomberg mentions, a.k.a. my BMs. Uh, hit, hit the BMs, folks. Uh, s- uh, sending some lewds through the Bloomberg terminal <laughs> to uh, fellow finance no, the, I, I've been looking at people. Have t- I've been looking into the Bloomberg terminal too. stuff. Apparently, the whole the key of the Bloomberg terminal is that it is intentionally made unnecessarily complicated so that idiot rubes will buy it and think they're getting something for their money when they are absolutely not which yeah. once again running theme these rich people are morons yes uh, uh, also creates a class of people who are trained on it so that is a marketable skill like when you know both uh, uh avid and uh premier and uh i know bloomberg terminal. yeah yeah i've got a certification in bloomberg terminal yeah uh another- i send the best ibs in the office <laughs> So he took he started with the Bloomberg terminal money and then he turned into a media magnate. Now he owns Bloomberg News, Bloomberg Business. And uh, there was I don't know if you were going to bring this up. uh, There was the story of the uh, editor in chief of Bloomberg. Oh, yeah. uh, Writing a, a, a public letter saying we've always made sure that our editorials aligned with Mike's views. And we've always made sure not to investigate any of Mike's businesses or dealings. Uh, and so our editorial ba- board is resigning to work on the Bloomberg campaign, and we will not be making any uh, unsigned editorial statements about the campaign from this point on. And this motherfucker is breaking his arm, patting himself on the back for his journalistic ethics. Instead of the, what is really going on is him admitting that he is an absolute fucking whore, and the entire thing is a disgusting... I mean. The entire Bloomberg News thing is a propaganda network designed to advance his boss's interests. Now, didn't he also say, we're not going to cover the campaign? Yes. We're not covering Bloomberg, but we're not covering the other candidates either. So you you basically rubber-roomed all of your fucking political <laughs> journalists, yes. like Bloomberg did with the fucking teachers. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is then they say, 
So we're not going to investigate the uh, business dealings of any of the other Democratic candidates since we're not going to be doing it for the uh, for Bloomberg. And then they say, if Mike were to get the nomination and run against Trump, uh, well, we'll see. Like he he just kicks the can and says, ah, because the implication there is okay. So you're running against Trump. That means you can't say anything about Trump's insane record, four years of manifold and manifest corruption, because. The guy you're batting for is also insanely corrupt. Uh, now, here's a message from Toto. These two finance bros overhearing this in like a restaurant. These two finance bros are talking about how one has been making personalized skins for his Bloomberg terminal <laughs> like it's Winamp. <laughs> <laughs> so if you ever want to know like what's going on in the business factories of Wall Street, uh, it's guys sending each other funny IBs. And like, you know, sharing custom Bloomberg mods yep. on their terminals. Yep. Because, uh, and this is technology that companies spend like tens of thousands of dollars a month. It's a subscription fucking program just to maintain a Bloomberg terminal. Yep. And overdosing on ketamine in the bathroom of scores. Where That's literally it. every, uh, like everything that the Bloomberg terminal does is already done much more efficiently yeah. by other. It, it's totally unnecessary. Uh, and I want to close the Bloomberg segment with this story from. Somebody who uh, put themselves in great danger to give us this information. Uh, he's talking about a there's like a student pub at MIT. Ugh. May I have a dram of your finest potable, milady? And like everyone there is like a like a student or something. Everyone who like works there is a student. Uh, and here's what he says: You know, the pub is a cool place. It's like a safe harbor for the LGBT community and students of color and others. The downside is that it's also a safe harbor for MBA students who want to save up for their Greece spring break sailing trips by paying for beer at cost and not tipping. So the day before graduation, some mysterious suit clad bodyguard takes over for the student door person. And 30 minutes later, in walks the Bloomberg himself. He orders around and sits in a corner reading a newspaper and sipping a beer. The folks from the MIT office of the president go table to table telling people to invite their friends because they don't want the pub to be too empty for Bloomberg on a weeknight the day before graduation. Finally, most horrifyingly, in his graduation speech the next day, he says he frequented the pub during networking school, uh, MBA, and got his favorite drink, Miller High Life on the Rocks. What? Psychopath. Be Psychopath. Ice in a beer. Maniac. By the way, what he's not saying is that that Miller Light on ice was in the cap of an acorn. <laughs> he is a tiny man. Miller High Life on the Rocks. Just a disgusting freak <laughs> beverage. There is nobody who does that. There's no culture nope. that does that. Nope. I used to live in a Polish neighborhood, and I would go to Polish bars, and like uh, uh, Polish guys would drink beer mixed with this like simple syrup, yeah, of course and that was weird. But I had one, and it's like fine. It's like you know, it's 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 acceptable. It's like it's I, I get that as a cultural thing. There's no culture that does Miller High Life on the rock. Drinking in a room pitch black because no one knows how to change just the light sitting, bulb. Just sitting alone at the fucking NBA bar at MIT. They can never get a quorum to change the light bulb. Yeah. By the way, Bloomberg, I'm sorry. We have not elected a manlet for over 100 years. We're not going to start now. Bloomberg would be our shortest president since Madison, I think. Because like, like, Bloomberg's like 5'3", right? Uh, he is very short. He's that's, like 5'4", yeah. Yeah, that's the height that James Madison was, and he is our shortest president. And he left office in the 18-teens. So it would be 200 years since we've had a president that short. And Not going to happen, folks. And he sucked. Fuck that guy. Absolutely. Uh, Madison did suck. Madison, that motherfucker. Oh, dude, I got. Ooh, I, hold my fucking earrings. 
Fucking James. <laughs> I mean, obviously. You mean you're going to take the hoops off? I'm going to take the hoops off. Fucking, first of all, wrote the Constitution. Constitution, dog shit. One of the worst got documents ever used to create a government. Horrible. Secondly, he is the only president, by the way, I don't know if anyone knows this. Compromise uh, this between is a good, the slaveholding uh, states and the mercantile states. This is a good trivia, this is a good trivia uh, uh, answer. Uh, uh, Wait, James, ask, ask me the question. James me. Madison, well, it's too late, is the only president to ever personally command an American army in the field during a battle. It was the Battle of Bladensburg during the War of 1812, and he got his ass kicked so badly that the British were able to push his army aside, take over Washington, and eat the meal that had been put on the table in uh, the White House for him to eat before burning it down. It's not Absolute dog shit. Fuck him. Jay- bitch. Manlet piece of shit. If he is the record of manlet presidents, uh, you, you should steer clear of Bloomberg. Okay, so uh, that's a sideshow. Let's get to the actual state of the race. Uh, can we get some kind of guitar riff for the state right of the up race? Here, state of the race. We're going to find who's going to win. Skinny, bitty, bitty, race to the top. It's down to four realistic candidates. Everybody else is jerking off. In Iowa, where Joe Biden has led for months, it's now a four-way race between Biden, Sanders, Warren, and now Buttigieg. That's it. Who has sur- surged to a narrow lead in multiple surveys. Warren, who was briefly leading in Iowa and nationally last month, has gone down. Interestingly, the Buttigieg surge so far mostly limited to Iowa, where he's pulling anywhere between 20 and 25 percent, and New Hampshire, where he's averaging about 20 percent surveys nationally. Biden is still firmly in the lead. Buttigieg is barely out of the single digits, though that may change. Well, it's not going to change because Buttigieg has no buy-in with anyone who is not an a, a advanced degree white person. So the two big stories right now is Mayor Pete going up, Elizabeth Warren surge over. And it's funny, but the, the uh, Warren's downtick is kind of uncannily traceable to the moment when she decided to uh, hedge uh, and straddle on Medicare for all. It was weird. not good. It did not look good. It's weird. It's and it's weird. just interesting. The same thing happened to Kamala Harris at the very beginning yeah, of the race. It's odd. So you have a lesson right there. You could have just not done that. Yeah. It's funny because I'm seeing people now saying like, Warren, yeah, she got uh, Medicare for all did her in. I guess people don't really like Medicare for all. Or they're saying, I guess the, the purists got a hold of her. The record is pretty clear. Bernie has been ride or die for Medicare for all. His numbers haven't gone anywhere. If anything, they've gone up a little bit. Warren, because the thing is, you got to remember this. Warren has, Sanders has the strongest base of support. And as we've noted since the beginning, the highest ceiling of support among anybody running. And that means that there isn't really that far for him to go down. But he also has not stultified. He's stultified for a bit there, but he's been steadily creeping up in the last couple of weeks. Warren, on the other hand, goes down the moment that she starts equivocating on Medicare for all. Because at that point, people look at her and go, oh, you're, you're who I thought you were. And I either it's, go to Bernie or they go to Mayor Pete if they never really gave a it's shit. It's interesting because Warren has absorbed the attacks from her right flank, from uh, Biden and, and, and Buttigieg and so on, who are like, you know, oh, you're, you want to uh, get rid of people's health care choices? You want to <laughs> eliminate private insurance? And, she, and so she, you know, she faltered under that pressure. It's, oh, no, 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 no. This is uh, going to be options and, you know, subsidies gonna, and so on. stage it out. When it's like at that point, 
okay, there's really no daylight between you and whatever Mayor exactly. Pete says. That's like, oh, this is Medicare plus pro advantage. Yep. So why not go with Mayor Pete? Why not go with the hot hand? That's the thing. And Mayor Pete has risen to the degree that Warren has failed, which really does tell you that a big chunk of Warren's support was always these awful, I hate to use the word because people get triggered, but PMC, white libs, and that as soon as her stock looked like it was wavering, as soon as she started to blink, they were like, well, let's go. Let's go to somebody who at least has a consistent message in the form of Mayor Pete. I saw one poll uh, that saw Mayor Pete having gone up to the exact degree that Warren had gone down. Right. And that's, you know, that, that exposes the major fault line in the race because Warren is still somebody who can be uh, guilted by the Washington establishment, who uh, the, the various consultants uh, and lobbyists and so on who say, you know, uh, when people hear you want to eliminate private insurance, get rid of their health care choices, they're not going to like that. That doesn't, yeah. that doesn't poll well. It's not good in focus groups. Yeah. And there's a new poll saying that support overall for Medicare for All has dropped significantly recently because you have a full court press from the Democratic establishment, the healthcare industry itself, saying this is bad. And that's what made Warren blink. But, you know, Bernie's out there saying, just wait. No, don't fucking, don't get rattled by this shit because if you if you allow these you know the the vagaries of public opinion to to determine what you believe you will end up just being uh turned into a whiff of smoke you will be evanescent you will have no there will be nothing to you. and he's been up front since the beginning about the monumental challenge of decommodifying healthcare about eliminating that profit stream for private capital, getting rid of private health insurance companies, which are parasites. Mm -hmm. And he says, you know, hey, uh, on this fucking debate stage, you're about to see a fucking commercial from the healthcare industry. They make billions in profits. They're going to spend a lot of them to defend the fact that they make billions of profits. Those are the stakes. Are you going to fight them or are you going to compromise with them? And I think the past few months have shown he's literally the only candidate who will not compromise with private capital. It's true. And that and that makes a difference because I think, honestly, what what made Warren blink even more than the question of, oh, you're going to throw people off their insurance or get, get rid of their choices was the question of paying for it. Because before she released her dumb two stage plan. That really, honestly, if you have any skin in the game and any real investment in, uh, in, in, in transforming healthcare in this country, that should have put her forever on the pain of mind list. But before she did that... Healthcare is like an atlas rocket. There yeah. needs to be multiple stages <laughs> but, so we can leave the yeah. Earth's gravitational pull. This is all very scientific. But it's math. literally the opposite of that. Once the one rocket is drawn, you're falling immediately to Earth because your political capital has been expelled, but whatever. Uh, the real thing that I think she couldn't deal with was the question of paying for it because she could not bring herself to say we might raise the taxes of regular Americans at all. And the fact is, is to, to fund something as expansive as a national health care system, there would have to be a broad-based tax raise. But it will be vastly less than the amount of money you will save by not having to pay for copays and deductibles and all the awful... Uh, charges in, incumbent in a private health insurance system and she was just she i don't know if she's just, it's just because her heart pe pumps kool-aid or because she had a bunch of consultants around her insisting that americans hate tax raises but she could not bring herself to make the argument meanwhile bernie has said explicitly many times 
yeah, your taxes might go up a little bit, but you will never have to pay for another dime out of pocket for health care. Imagine the savings. And the fact is, is that if you are not willing to make that argument, if you're not willing to fight on those terms, then you are worthless because every question involved in decommodifying elements of American life and, and, and reducing the rapacious power of this late capitalist leviathan will involve an, a fucking trade-off and if you are stuck in that dnc clinton era triangulating mindset that says no we have to only ever argue that good things are going to happen and we never have we can never say there's ever going to be a trade-off for anything well what does that leave you arguing it leaves you arguing in favor of nothing oatmeal bullshit it, it, it means tested garbage that will help basically nobody but the advantage of which is, well, at least you never promised to raise anybody's taxes. You're always going to have a billion-dollar stream going into the hands of private capital where the profits emerge from human misery. Yes. And we know that capital acts autonomously. That stream is going to defend itself unless you identify that as the enemy and you target it and you say, no, this is what the whole movement about is about, is fighting that, is getting private yes. profit out of the healthcare yes. industry which is why i cannot abide anybody who argues in favor of warren on tactical grounds because i mean i could argue about how tactically she doesn't know what she's talking about anyway like for example uh it, when it comes to how do you pass something like medicare for all this in is a, interesting this in, is interesting in, in a she, part of, she bought the she bought the filibuster and the stuff. thing is is that she says i'm gonna get rid of the filibuster really you and who you have no control over the filibuster the filibuster is a senate rule and senators are never going to give up their the power that they have. And the power they have is manifested in their ability to either stop or allow legislation to go through. And the lower the the higher the threshold to pass something, the more leverage they have. You and you have no leverage to make them change their fucking rules. Meanwhile, Bernie has said, fuck the filibuster. I'm you can get anything through through the Senate if you if the presiding officer of the Senate rules that it is budgetary, it, result, uh, it relates to the budget. If the parliamentarian rules, but you pick the parliamentarian. Exactly. You have, fire the parliamentarian. Well, Republicans the VP did it. Does. Republicans the VP, did it. The VP does. And you say, I'm going to have my VP tell the parliamentarian that it's 50, plus, 50 votes. Done. And you don't have to go after the individual power prerogative of, of, uh, of individual senators who are never, you're never going to be able to get the leverage on any individual senator to get them to give up that power. And the fact that she has gone along with this filibuster bullshit means even on that narrow tactical shit, she doesn't know what she's fucking talking about. But forget all of that. If you're, if you're talking about um, confronting the political influence of the most awful and rapacious industries in this country, uh, the only way you're going to defeat it is with a power strategy that involves uh, mass participation and and the entire appeal of uh warren is that she is telling people don't worry about it you can go back to brunch once i'm president because i'm going to get in those back rooms and i'm going to west wing the shit out of this and i think the obama administration was an eight-year example uh and experiment with that policy to show you that it does not fucking work let's talk a minute about the pete Buttigieg surge and whether or not we think it's durable because Pete and Elizabeth Warren, according to uh, opinion surveys, they have, you know, roughly they're drawing from the same pool of voters, mm -hmm. uh, wider, higher income, mm -hmm. uh, higher uh, educational attainment. Yep. Whereas uh, Bernie's pool of voters, uh, younger, diverse, 
lower educational attainment, lower income. Right now, if Iowa voted today, if you believe the surveys, which there's a lot of reasons not to, but it would look like Mayor Pete would win by a hair. Do you think that right now the Mayor Pete surge is something that would continue, or is this going to be like 2012, where in the Republican primary, first there was the month that Michelle Bachman was leading in Iowa, then Rick Perry was leading nationally, then Herman Cain was leading nationally, then Newt Gingrich was leading nationally in December, then Ron Paul was leading in Iowa at New Year's, and then the last one to surge was Rick Santorum yep. in Iowa, and it's a game of musical chairs. When it stops, okay, whoever had the surge, you got it. Yeah. Is it is this another one of those situations? Because it's too early. So I mean, far, if we've that's seen, the example. It's way too early. We've seen a a mini Kamala Harris surge, but not enough to take the lead. And then we saw after you know she did the debate Owen on uh, Joe Biden, and then uh, the Warren surge, which has now subsided, but mm-hmm. I think her numbers are still pretty strong. And then now we're living in the Buttigieg surge. Uh, we are less than two months away from the Iowa caucus. Is there another surge? And the winner is just going to be whoever surges then. Well, see, all right. If, it, if it's a question of because if, if that's the model, there has to be somebody waiting in the wings to be the next surge person, to be the Santorum, to take the, the baton from Buttigieg uh, slash Sherman Cain. Which could have been which could, Herman Cain. Which could have been better. It could have honestly could have been better. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, is that of the remaining candidates, I don't see anyone else. Well, we know Kamala Harris has pulled her staff from New Hampshire yes. and is now running an Iowa only campaign mm-hmm. where she's polling at like two percent. Yeah. So she is there. She presu- she ex- is a warm body you can yeah. vote for. She's hypothetically someone, but beyond she is the only candidate who could hypothetically be the next one to get a get a get a boost uh cory booker is still there though i believe he might be bounced from the next debate yeah no he has nothing nobody does klobuchar nobody has any any kind of presence to even come close to taking the next uh, the next burst from mayor pete well i mean obviously the dynamics are are a little bit different uh in 2012 you know the various surges of uh, these this cavalcade of freaks and weirdos uh, was due to the discomfort that a majority of Republicans had with, you know, uh, 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 Mr. Moneybags. I think what's going to happen, I mean, I don't know who, who can tell. I don't see anybody taking the baton from Mayor Pete. Uh, what I see is, uh, I think the four, I think, I honestly do think that it is a four-way race. I think that the four who are in double digits, are really locked as the only viable possible candidates. Well, I mean, I don't know about that because, for one, it's ludicrous that Mayor Pete is here. Absolutely. The most votes that he's won in any given election. 8,000 votes. Uh, That's the most he ever got in elections, 8,000 votes. It's all, I mean, it's it's, it's a surge built on, I mean, it's it's as empty as any reason anyone had to like Beto O'Rourke. Yeah. Uh, There is absolutely nothing there. And it's really just it's like it's like getting high on fumes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I like people to judge like liking people to judge is the equivalent of get like huffing a cleaner that you find underneath your sink. He is a single whippet like this is the worst way to get high. Yes. And as well, you know, now that 
you know, once the media adjusts and starts saying he's the front runner, now he's going to get the attacks. I thought he would get attacked at the last debate, but everyone wanted to keep their powder dry that time. There's still two months to go. And how about this? His entire record sucks. Mm-hmm. It consistently fucking sucks. That's the thing is that is that if he has nowhere to go but down from this point. And, and, and there's too much time left. Like if this had happened. If if this burst of his had happened in January, we might be talking about something. There's way too much time, I, and the only one who's been consistent and has the best on the ground game in Iowa is Bernie, which makes me think whoever is at the who wins the game of musical chairs to be the flavor of the month when it's time to actually vote in Iowa, they will probably finish maybe a strong but still a second to Bernie. And if Bernie wins Iowa, I'm sorry, there's no way he doesn't win New Hampshire. And then the real question becomes, can Biden hold on to his lead in North South Carolina? And if Biden holds on to his lead in South Carolina and wins South Carolina, then I honestly feel like it's a two-way race because Mayor Pete is going to get honestly shellacked and destroyed single-digit style in South Carolina because he has literally zero black support. That's the thing. Uh, So Mayor Pete does horribly among black voters horribly among latino voters who are two big constituencies in the democratic primary because the only way that a guy uh, like a a wild card candidate a guy without real establishment buy-in like mayor pete wins is by doing the obama thing of connecting educated white liberals with like a mass of uh, uh, working class black voters which is what obama did and the fact is is that those voters are biden voters and But and and that is I honestly why I think Bernie's going to win more than anything is that the only coalition that could beat him is that Obama connection between rich white uh, urbanites and black uh, Southerners and though and that's what beat him last time that's what beat we know that's, that what, that's how Hillary beat him but here's what's interesting we know that Bernie does terribly among rich white liberals he does well that's the thing he did let he was beaten by Hillary because of that coalition the fact is though those two segments are held by two different candidates. And they can't transfer to each other. Biden voters, there's no evidence that they will go to Mayor Pete in any context. And those rich white uh, uh, urbanites, they're not going to go for a fucking fossil ass, uh, uh, Alzheimer's ass, uh, segregation ass Joe Biden. Which means if they stay separated and no one can bring them together then Bernie's going to win. Even as the DNC rallies to try to beat him, it's going to be a replay of 2016 where you have a a, 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 uh, a party apparatus desperate to defeat uh, an attack from an outsider but unable to deal with the collective action problem of getting behind one guy because here's the thing. It's like when, when Trump started winning and the RNC went into panic mode, they wanted to get behind one candidate. But the problem is, is that there is no mechanism for picking the one guy to run against Trump other than the primaries. And while you do that, Trump keeps winning them. So that's going to be the same problem they're going to have against Bernie. How do you get people to drop out? How do you get people to unite behind one when they individually think they have a shot to be the candidate and they think, well, I'll wait for the next primary. And then they end up slowly bleeding delegates to Bernie. Let's do some future casting. Yes. Uh, can we get a riff for future casting? Future casting! We're gonna get the future! Look at the crystal ball! Bernie's numbers have been very static throughout this race. He Solid. has been both nationally and in the early state polls within a narrow band, something like 18 to 20%. The like, real G's. That's his floor. 
The ultra-comforts. No other candidate, except for arguably Biden, uh, can argue that they have a floor like that. Uh, of course, Warren doesn't because she, you know, her campaign tanked very early on. She had the surge. Now it's going down. Buttigieg obviously came from nowhere. And uh, Biden's numbers, you know, have been high. But uh, I think the consensus is here in the Beltway garage that those these are artificial numbers. Uh, well, the, the thing is, is that national polling numbers and polls in early states could be or, or not or polls in states before after New Hampshire and Iowa and stuff can really kind of be discarded for the simple fact that the voting uh, that electorate is going to be dealing with a reality that we can't really know. They're going to be dealing with reality where there have already been primaries going on. And like the reason people like I, Biden is because more than anything, electability. And if you're going to vote in your state and Biden has gotten his ass kicked or has underperformed in every fucking primary and caucus before that, then his the his only selling point has been deeply undermined. That is why I don't think like Biden's support is insanely soft. It's a big soft. But Ooh. the real, the other question it's is so soft. You can just grab chunks. It's like a piece of King's Hawaiian bread. Just pull pieces <laughs> off. But the other question is, how soft are the support bases of Warren and Buttigieg? I mean, we've seen who are for as a well fact, Bernie's closest uh, opponents in Iowa. We've seen how soft they are. Warren's supporters are clearly very feckless. Mayor Pete's supporters are people who just in the last two weeks are like, wow, I really, I really enjoy the grades he got at fucking Oxford, you fucking nerds. <laughs> these, are, these are feckless supporters. Bernie's supporters are solid. His, his, like we've said, his fucking floor is unprecedented. Now, in this is an interesting dynamic in Iowa because, of course, Iowa is a caucus, and most people don't really know how the Iowa caucus works because it's ludicrous. It's insane. It shouldn't exist, honestly. You go to a high school gymnasium, where there is a marshal for every single campaign. They all give a speech, and then you physically go to uh, yep. uh, where, you know, uh, to the candidate that you support, to that group. You, you, it's like uh, picking a, uh, a sport at a at high school you, you, gym. You, you pick a polycule, yeah. basically, and uh, you get together and you cuddle with uh, you know, cuddle all puddle. the fellow supporters, and there is a... Uh, there is a minimum requirement to actually get delegates, which means if you are a Klobuchar supporter uh, or a Castro supporter where, oh, there's like three people here for Castro and, you know, 500 for Warren, you get a chance. It's very, let's make a deal. Okay, door number three. You picked, uh, you picked Castro. Uh, he's not getting any delegates. Now you get a choice to move to a normal candidate who might win. <laughs> and, Everyone can shift then, and I think there's, you know, there might be another round of speeches or something, or just yelling and cajoling your neighbors. And in that event, there's a little bit of playing defense there, isn't it? Because at that point, uh, if you're in the Sanders camp, uh, you can want to pull Warren people to your side if Warren's doing worse than she, uh, uh, you expected her to do. Yeah. And the thing is, with how you know Bernie's been doing, if you're a Bernie supporter right now in Iowa chances are you were a Bernie supporter back in December of 2017. Chances are you're right or die. You're not moving to another fucking candidate. Nope. It means he has the highest floor, and it means he has the most to build on. Yeah. It means that in every one of those gymnasiums and uh, fucking church basements that he has basically, like, when they start horse trading, no one's moving. The, Ber the, Bernie, the Bernie pool, first of all, it's going to be above, obviously everywhere, given his polling, it's going to be above the minimum, uh, and it's not going anywhere. 
every other supporters pool is essentially up for grabs. And I, I want to say this, and uh, maybe maybe we'll cut this if it sounds stupid by the time I've said it, but uh, you know, I, I, I you know, I follow a lot of like like Bernie campaign people on Twitter, and uh, you know, people are very enthusiastic about Bernie's campaign. Uh, Bernie has a legion of volunteers in Iowa, like people going door to door, people uh, talking to their neighbors, people making phone calls, and so on. And he's the only candidate where I see people say stuff like, well, finally convinced my mom to caucus for Bernie. Mm -hmm. Finally convinced my neighbor to vote for Bernie. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are people volunteering for Elizabeth Warren. I know that there are people volunteering for Mayor Pete because I've seen the fucking videos. (laughs) But I have never seen... But as much as I like to, you know, go on a, a, a traipse through the internet, uh, like a digital flaneur of sorts, <laughs> observing people I don't necessarily agree with, with other political preferences, and I, I've, I've never once seen a post that was like, you know, convince my mom to vote for Mayor Pete. <laughs> I did the high hope stance in her living room for five hours, and she eventually and told me she would vote for Mayor Pete. And, 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 and so, I mean, that indicates to me that, okay, Bernie has a massive campaign team and a highly disciplined Iowa team. He's got county chairs in every single, all 99 counties in mm-hmm. Iowa, uh, which is very, very, very important to have all these analytics because of the way I just described the fucking caucus process where you have to know what everyone's preferences and second preference and third preference is if you want to come out with the most delegates from a single county. Right. That's the only campaign where I see people actually converting people yeah. to fucking join the fold. Yeah, and I feel like when you're in the room... Bringing people in who are outside the political process. I feel like when you're in the room on the day and it comes time to start redistributing those uh, singletons from the loser pool... Uh, I don't Spread know. the delegates around. No no one has a better pitch than fucking Bernie, you know? Like, these, 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 are, these are real committed political people. They wouldn't be standing in a fucking gym if they weren't. And you can... Who, Bernie's Bernie's seconds, Bernie's uh, proxies can say, you know, this is this is our chance. This is a chance to undo the horrible damage that has been done. This is a chance to make a future that we can fucking live in. Who the what the fuck is the mayor Pete delegate going to say? Is he going to do the dance? Is he going to just like cry and do the goddamn <laughs> just like <laughs> just tears coming down? It's like, what the fuck's a warrant person going to say, especially if she keeps fucking falling down and keeps equivocating and keeps, indi- keeps indicating with every fucking word and statement that she does not actually care about anything and all she cares about is winning and that she's a fucking what is milk-blooded the, what is- chump who will blink when the fucking moment comes. What does a Joe Biden person What does a Joe say? Biden person say? Folks, he's electable. Well, you literally were in a fucking uh, church basement in Iowa, and you somehow have the second most people here. How are you a hegemon? What, what is your argument? What is your argument of, like, resistance is futile, Borg style? Because that was what fucking Hillary had last time, and at least there was something behind that. It's like, yes, she had this, like, massive thing behind her. Biden is... Even he was never able to clear the field. There's seven. There's people are still joining the race. <laughs> By the time this is out, Eric Holder might have declared the admiral. The-, the admiral is still out there. You have not captured him yet. <laughs> he is still wandering. The admiral. He's still causing problems for you in the backwoods of New Hampshire. The admiral. Won't someone bring me the admiral? The admiral's like John Paul Jones out there with a bunch of frigates in the Finger Lake regions. You can't stop him. You can't do shit. The only one with a fucking clear, meaningful message that could actually get a bunch of sappy-eyed political nerds in a room to be like, fuck it, let's be legends, is Bernie. So here's my view on the matter, and it's the same story that it was months ago. In Iowa, 
Bernie and Warren, they locked up the top talent early on. They have the best field operations. They have the only real field operations to speak of. I think the race, nevertheless, comes down to the two of them. And the question is whether there is a Bernie... Two, really, two questions about whether Bernie will win the Iowa caucus. One, uh, the polls are off, and they're not counting the people that Bernie's bringing into the political process. Nope. And so his poll numbers... Uh, which have him at like 18, 20, 22%. They are not, you know, showing a base of support that will emerge on election day. Cuck polls. Uh, Number two is, well, how about this? Uh, We know there's, we're, you know, riding the merry-go-round right now. What if it stops and uh, on the caucus night and Bernie has a late surge because we know there's going to be minimum one other shift in this race. And that is, in the two weeks up to the caucus day, when people, when start paying people actually pay attention and yes. decide, which, of course, means that everything we've been doing for the past few months is totally frivolous and asinine. Well, obviously, it's a podcast. And I would honestly make a bet on either or both being the case, especially because of that organization I just mentioned. Yeah. And how important that is, because the thing about uh, someone like Buttigieg and his late surge is, OK, but how are you going to capitalize it? on it because you did not you know you joined the race later and you were just some asshole Mm -hmm. and And he's got a lot of money but he doesn't have any real infrastructure behind it uh i mean i don't know how he's spending that money but i know it has not resulted in any kind of uh resilient and and endurable uh, group of people in these states uh uh, you know knocking on doors and stuff certainly compared to uh bernie uh for my money i think bernie comes out of iowa with Something on the scale of 32, 34%. Yes, I think that's true. And, and the thing it's is, it's a that- question of whether anyone else reaches that level or the everyone or the anti Bernie field be, is so fractured. I, the, the thing is, like, the parallels to 2016 are so, so just uncanny. I just feel like it's going to be a very similar situation. I know Ted Cruz won uh, in Iowa in, in 2016, but. Uh, it was a close. It was a close race, and that's not a caucus, by the way. Uh, and uh, also astounding because, yeah, he finished a clo- Trump finished a close second in Iowa, but this is supposed to be the state where infrastructure is supposed to matter. He spent no money and had no fucking uh, uh, system or program or people on the ground in Iowa at all, and he still finished in a strong second place, which led him then to, of course, like dominate New Hampshire. And South Carolina. What I think it's the interesting parallel is uh, Bernie was getting wiped by Hillary up until the last few weeks yep. when, when he surged, and that's where he essentially tied Hillary. He got edged out there, and as well, they did not release the actual vote yeah, totals right. for yeah, the caucuses, no. he, he so got, he yeah. might have actually gotten more There's votes. There's a lot of people in Iowa who will swear uh, on a stack of Bibles that Bernie won and that they, they took it from him there, and I mean, why wouldn't they? Bernie... If he wins New Hampshire, Iowa. As well, Bernie, as well in uh, uh, 2016, people forget this, but Bernie was not uh, planning to speak in Iowa because he himself thought he would lose Iowa. Yeah. But then he spoke at the very last minute. I remember that, yeah. He canceled his flight. Yeah. If I, but if he, Bernie- you know, he made sure that he called them on the phone and he made sure he got a refund for that. 
He told them that a relative had died and that he was a 9-11 first responder. <laughs> um, nobody's going to get that reference, Matt. I, it's still funny. Yeah. Iowa? <laughs> he's going to win Iowa. And if he wins Iowa, he will win New Hampshire. I mean, he's already... New Hampshire, where he won by a landslide exactly. last time. So he will... If he wins Iowa, he will it will give everyone who is on the fence permission to vote for him in Iowa in New Hampshire. He will win New Hampshire. Me, I mean, uh, outside chance he wins South Carolina, but even if he doesn't win South Carolina... Well, he Carolina, moves on. They move on to Nevada after that. We're talking to... Oh, Nevada's ne- third. Yes, Nevada. Before South Carolina. Yes, correct. Nevada's Shit. third. Well, he's definitely going to win Nevada. He that can means win. he might win South Carolina. He is in, he is positioned to win the first three primary states, which if you follow the media coverage, of most of the people who write the fucking awful shitty news articles that we all hate and make fun of, uh, they have not internalized the idea that Bernie might win the first. Oh no, three they're going to lose their shit. And as well, I think they have convinced themselves of their own lie. And as well, they've convinced uh, all of the uh, various stakeholders within the Democratic establishment that oh, nothing to worry about. Actually, Warren's the real insurgent here. She's the dangerous. Well, that's one. that's that's. And so they like are are consciously ignoring Bernie. And like that is that is the strategy this time around. Okay, there's so many candidates that. You know, well, Bernie. Oh, those are those are those like those weird, like lower class weirdos. You know, that's not. I, well, I, also, I, I go to don't... I go to dinner parties and like like Joan Didion. Like, I don't know a single person who supports yeah. Bernie. And also, and also, oh, you know, those the people who support Bernie, they don't vote. Yeah. Well, let's see what happens if they do, motherfucker. Then you're fucked. That kind then of you're stuff. Completely but fucked. They have they have built up like the psychological barrier in their mind where the mere concept of Bernie winning any early state is totally impossible to them because uh as you know we said during our our discussion on bloomberg uh you don't know anything you're fucking idiots uh you're just highly paid idiots and your fucking job relies on you not knowing anything and the highly paid idiot in chief is barack obama because as that political article points out he clearly does not want bernie to get the nomination terrified of the concept but thank god he underestimates bernie if he if he understood the threat Bernie poses to the, to the Democratic Party, he would have, like we said earlier, if picking a horse early, gotten behind him and used him to clear the field. But here's what's instead he's like, eh, it'll take care of itself. But here's what's interesting. And now it's going to be like he's. I guarantee you, if he wins those first three primaries, last Obama's going to be like, oh, I need to get in here. And it's going to be too around, late. Last time around, you know, they had the the Bernie bro smear, whatever, to make it like unacceptable and polite society to vote for Bernie Sanders. Yep. And this time around, of course, the strategy is we're just going to downplay him. We're just going to ignore him, uh, which to me says, OK, so then you're not ready for the first month of voting and Bernie winning three mm-hmm. not primaries. At all. Not at all. You're not at all ready, which means your smears will not have been sharpened by then. And you also wasted a lot of your energy going after Elizabeth Warren, which thanks, Liz, if you're just a stalking horse for Bernie. That's great. Like you, yeah. you, you were the you were the meat shield for Bernie. She was. I mean, she, I don't think she. Because at this that, point around, uh, the momentum would be so strong, and Bernie obviously has the best. Uh, 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 he has the best uh, 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 political uh, machine yes. in working in California right now, which is the biggest primary of the entire season, where he is it. vastly outpolling everyone else, and vastly, and he is vastly outpolling Kamala Harris. And imagine who, how he's going to be polling when he's won. Three of the first, when he has won New Hampshire, Iowa, and Nevada, and probably maybe a second place in South Carolina, imagine so, what he's going to do in California. So he's going to won California right before Super Tuesday. So that also, I mean, so that, that ultimately just says to me, oh, okay, I know all of you guys, this entire structure, you all fucking hate Bernie Sanders and you want to kneecap him, you want to destroy him, but uh, you're, you're out of shape. 
You have not been practicing on your uh, fucking uh, awful baseless smears against Bernie Sanders. You're probably going to drag out of the fucking cellar uh, the, the, you know, that dusty old uh, fucking uh, Bernie bro shit from 2016. And it's going to be too little too late yep. when you could have spent the past few months uh, actively attacking him. My uh, desire for a news cycle in which we have to argue about whether Bernie Sanders is anti-Semitic uh, is, <laughs> might not come See, to pass. So let's, let's, bring, let's bring this one in for a landing. Uh, let, we'll, let me give you the quote from the political article. When it comes to Sanders, I asked one close advisor whether Obama would really lay himself on the line to prevent a Sanders nomination. Quote, I can't really confirm that, the advisor said. He hasn't said that directly to me. The only reason I'm hesitating at all is because, yeah, if Bernie were running away with it, I think maybe we would all have to say something. But I don't think that's likely. It's not happening. <laughs> Another close Obama friend said, Bernie's not a Democrat. Oh, shit. These nice, God, friend, ni- nice he, friends, Obama. He is so blessed by his enemies. Just a bunch of blinkered, woolly-headed dipshits, totally cut off from any reality, just living in a Beltway conventional wisdom from 20 fucking years ago. And that means that when they get smacked in the face, it's going to be too late for them to fucking mobilize. And the real secret weapon for Bernie is his support among Latinos. He is the number one candidate of Hispanics. And when he wins, South, when he wins California with a majority of the Latino vote, good luck trying to, like, oh, in the last minute, turn, turn it into Bernie bro white boy bullshit. Uh Virgil, I don't know if you had something specific prepared for the ending, and we are going a little long. We're about to end, yeah. But because of our upcoming trip, I was wondering if you guys might want to spend even five minutes uh, baselessly opining about the uh, UK election polls. Okay, okay. We'll do just a very brief thing, because uh, the last few batch of polls have shown Jez, the absolute boy, coming up in the polls. Uh, and the thing is about the UK C- conservatives, Coming up they're, like a good batch of Molly. They are... Uh, the UK conservatives, like they get the same amount of the vote every single election. They're within a very narrow band themselves. Like they have the lowest ceiling of like 42% of the vote, which if I recall correctly is what Theresa May got last time around. And what the UK political class doesn't really acknowledge is the idea that there might be a groundswell of support for the labor party. Uh, registrations just closed in the UK and something on the level of 4 million voters, applied to join the voter roll. And most of them, a, 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 a majority, are under th- under 35, a elect of age cohort that is overwhelmingly pro-labor. And there is a, uh, there was a late-breaking story, which I think, <laughs> Matt, you can possibly talk about more. Uh, so one of uh, the labor's campaign arguments right now is uh, Boris Johnson, be, from his Brexit, he is going to open negotiations with UK uh, I'm sorry, USA healthcare companies and uh, have op- make a trade deal with the United States and uh, privatize the NHS. <laughs> and Boris swears up and down, no, there's no bloody deal, Jez. But Jez, uh, he got the documents. He got the documents. He got the folks. I've seen the documents, folks, and they're going to do it. And that thing is like the. the, the so the, wait, 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 tell people the story. All right. All right. So Jez has been saying for a while, and this is a fact, is that Boris. The conservative MP, he is a Brexiteer. He was one of the guys who engineered the Brexit vote. And a Brexit will require an, uh, some sort of free trade deal with the United States. Trump has said up and down, because he's Mr. Brexit, remember, that he would be in favor of a trade deal with the UK. Uh, and, of course, people have pointed out, well, shit, what, is, what would that mean for the NHS, for their gloriously uh, socialized medical system? 
and that that even though people get annoyed with it because it's underfunded, they still vastly prefer any as any sane human would to our garbage, dipshit, awful, soul destroying private healthcare system. And the conservative response has been NHS is not on the table. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Even though we'll make we'll have to make a deal with the U.S., it will not involve the NHS. Well. Corbyn today released a bunch of fucking leaked documents saying that they have been that the uh, conservative government has absolutely been in contact with the United States in regards to a trade deal after Brexit, and that the United States is insisting that the NHS be on the table, that that uh, 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 prescription drugs be on the table for privatization, and this is the thing that the conservatives have been swearing up and down since the Brexit vote wouldn't happen, and now we know in black and white it absolutely 100% will. And of course, Jez had a fucking press conference where he revealed the documents, and the first four questions from the press were about him not apologizing for being an anti-Semite. And I'm sorry that if we live in a world where you don't see that, you don't see a guy saying, this government is planning to sell your goddamn health care down the river to some American private equity jackals so that your fucking grandmother can have to fucking pawn her jewels to get dialysis and say, yes, maybe, but anti-Semitism and not see the absolute fucking cynical ruse behind that. Then there's no hope in electoral politics at all. And so as uh, as Virgil was saying, even before this, the last few polls have been showing Jez slowly crawling up to within striking distance. A poll today came out. One of the most accurate pollsters from the last 2017 general. Um, labor within six points. That was before the fucking revealing of these fucking documents. We're being to be in the UK. And I was expecting to be there and spend election night destroying my brain out of nihilistic hopelessness. And waking up the next day, if at all, uh, a poisoned uh, wreck. I expect that I, one way or the other, I will wake up the next morning a poisoned wreck. But more and more, I'm thinking I might be waking up a poisoned wreck out of uh, revel and excitement and pleasure. We'll see. On that note, I want to thank everyone who came out in New York City for the Labor International Phone Bank. I believe they will be doing another one this Sunday, December 1st. But I don't know if that's the case, and Chris will cut this if. That is not the case. But if it is the case, we will put the link in that information in the description of this episode. And this is also a good point to note that, yes, we are coming to the United Kingdom in order to uh, report in an unbiased fashion uh, about the anti-Semitism smears about labor that are utter, utter fucking lies. And we will uh, be doing... Two shows, one in London, tickets are going very quickly for that, and one in Liverpool, link in the Ferry bio. Ferry across the mercy. For those two shows. And we also would like to help participate and interfere in your election, which, uh, interestingly, that phone bank and the fact that the New York City DSA is involved in it uh, made the news. It made the Guardian, uh, because there is now a, a vast global anti-Semitism uh, conspiracy aimed at getting Jeremy Corbyn elected. And as uh, some people have pointed out on Twitter, Bernie Sanders is associated, linked to Jeremy Corbyn, possible anti-Semite himself. We might get that news cycle after all. It actually warms my heart to see that I know people who are good German communists go to the UK and they will be canvassing in places like Wales, 
and England and Ireland, which is, as you know, a dominion of the United Kingdom. It's one of the kingdoms, one of the four kingdoms, one of the seven kingdoms. We got to keep those anti-Deutsch out of the place, though. Uh, and uh, because uh, one interesting thing is there are actually millions of UK voters, people who are eligible to vote in the UK, who are expats. So organizing in places like New York, Berlin, Paris is more important than ever. We will be there. We hope you will be there because Jez can win this fucking thing. And frankly, he should win it for all the decent people in England, uh, which is to say everyone who has not been personally mean to us. And uh, everyone who has never had a uh, a column in a British daily newspaper. <laughs> yeah, that, redundant. Redundant. Uh, we will be there. Get your tickets. And as well for Bernie Sanders. As we have just indicated to you, uh, you might be able to elect the first socialist president of the United States. Uh, you can also uh, piss off the worst human beings in the world because imagine the fucking freak out when Bernie Sanders wins Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada. Woo! And then wins California, the biggest fucking primary in Super Tuesday. Oh, it's going to get Can you lit. imagine how pissed the worst fucking human beings you can imagine will be the people who hate you and hate your fucking guts so that's why they're gonna be should... screaming about him stealing cable in 1979 that's why you need to download the bernie app which encourages you to put in your personal information uh you know that sends it to kiev or whatever but <laughs> put in your personal information and it tells you to, to talk to your uh neighbors which you know awful but it's necessary phone banking, canvassing, and donating to Bernie Sanders. We will be in the UK, and then we will be back in the United States to continue to bring you election coverage. Arise, you prisoners of service. So, till next time, bye. Bye-bye. Rise above, we're gonna rise above